Welcome to Trustworthy AI, Dearest Business Adoption of AI, hosted by Pamela Gupta, a leading voice in business strategy, technology, and cybersecurity. With extensive experience in global industry leadership, Pamela has explored critical themes like achieving business value with AI by adopting a holistic risk-based approach to AI trust. She defined eight essential pillars of trustworthy AI. Read more details at the trustedai.ai website. Her insights have shaped the way we look at the impact of cyber warfare on business, strategies for efficient digital transformation, and governance views on algorithmic failures. Join Pamela as she delves into her signature framework, AI Tips, standing for Artificial Intelligence Transparency, Integrity, Privacy, and Security. This podcast is all about operationalizing governance and building trustworthy AI systems from the ground up. Whether you're an industry professional or just AI curious, Trustworthy AI offers thought-provoking discussions and expert insights to guide the ethical future of technology. Welcome to our podcast on Trustworthy AI, the risk business adoption of AI. We focus on leading by example, showcasing organizations and thought leaders that provide guidance and examples of adopting emerging technology such as AI by reducing their risks. Trustworthy AI is shown by research at MIT Sloan Management to promote better business outcomes, including accelerated and innovation. Today, I'm really excited to welcome Peter Cressy. He is a leader uh, in at Entropy, which is a technology consulting firm, and is focused on data and AI. Data, as you know, is a very strong life force of AI. Without data, AI would not be at the uh, at the uh, position and at the juncture we are at today. So welcome, Peter. Uh, thanks for being here. You know, as president of Entropy, what I'm seeing from clients and vendors and companies that I work with is that they want to get more value out of the money that they're spending. And so there's a greater need to say, can I get more value? That's what Entropy does. We do consulting to look at how the technology investment actually brings value to the ultimate customer, both near and long term. So on a worldwide basis, we continue to do that. But I have to say, AI and data is probably one of the most exciting development areas we've attacked in a long time. So why do you think data systems are so important for this generation of AI? I think for two reasons. One is it, it costs so much. We're seeing study after study that says that if you're training models and spending money on processor power, it's a cost basis. It's very, very expensive to, to have the data that feeds it. And the second reason is just imagine how much data that needs to be pumped in to generate the language models. It's estimated that um, the worldwide uh, web and the learning models today are looking at managing over a trillion words. Just Wiki alone has four billion words. So where is that all going to come from? And the bottom line is, is that companies need the data to feed the monster called AI. And if they don't have the data and infrastructure, what we're doing today is managing a multi-billion dollar industry in data infrastructure to find the data, to use the data, to train the data, and to most of all, trust the data. 
that's why it's great to be with you today because trusted data uh, is very important. Because as many people say, if you don't have great data, then the model is not going to be great itself. So I'd like to ask you, what are some of the things that an AI-focused generation should be focused on? What are we? What should be um, thinking about? Well, this traditional way that data infrastructure people uh, manage data, it used to be a data workflow. But today, from an AI point of view, which includes machine learning, AI and data just go together right now. They go together like peanut butter and jelly. And the reason I say it that way, it's an experience. And that experience has to be made easier. So if you're managing terabytes of data and millions of records at one time, oftentimes on the fly with streaming media, you have to manage that data for an easy experience. So the first thing that an AI generation should expect is, is absolutely fast workflow in a decentralized way. There's a couple other areas too as well. At the top of the list, absolutely, is data trust. If data is going to feed AI, it has to be trusted. And if you can imagine those trillion words sitting out there in the universe, not all those words are trusted. We know there's so much bias in data today. So that's probably a really big foundational tenet to be able to look at. The second thing is, is what I call farm to table for data. Imagine you're tracking the quality of milk all the way from the field where the cow's eating the milk, uh, chewing grass to create milk, all the way to the table. At every step of the way, from the production of the milk, from the carrying of the milk in the milk truck to the supermarket and to your home, you're saying, can I really trust the data all along the way there? Data is very much the same way. So you get this sort of farm to table idea, right, Pam? Yes, I think it's a very key concept, Peter, in terms of creating a data strategy, right? And as you know, that includes data lineage, it includes data provenance. These are extremely important for anyone adopting a successful business uh, AI strategy to think first about the data strategy, right? Where is, what is the origin what is the transformation required and what are the different steps as it goes from becoming data, um, from being data into information and into value. So I, I think that's an excellent point and a very good analogy of kind of giving us the different chain of custody, so to speak, as the, the table, milk leaves. Farm to data. data farm to farm table, to imagine that. We're chewing on the same data. <laughs> Well, I think the other thing is, is that as we're moving from uh, this sense of trusted data, I think people know that that's almost becoming a platitude, but impl implementing it's difficult. The second thing that's happening is in a major way, what are the experts really talking about? They're talking about data products. They're beginning to see data instead of a data asset. That's old thinking. It's really a data product. And that product has to encompass many aspects. It has to data, find the data. It has to be a sense of lineage to say, well, where did the data come from? And I want to mention, shout out to lineage of why that's important. Right. With the advent and growth of APIs that are feeding data in from other sources, where's that data coming from? Who's tracking that data? Who's governing that data? So you just don't have stayed data sources. You also have data that's coming from APIs. And when that's brought to cloud, 
then it all gets sort of blown up. So that data lineage from hop to hop to hop is a very important aspect. And by the way, as we create data products, that data product will be now encapsulated so people can actually go and get the data product. Yes, I I see the um, couple of points there, right? One is, as we talked about, the data lineage. Where is the data coming from? And another extremely important point that you're raising, which is who are the different contributors? And what about the data lineage and data validation and data security and data protection even from those different avenues as we are collecting, whether it's third parties, whether it's applications through the API support and API integration or uh, interface that you talked about. That's that's a very critical point. And I think um, very um, important to highlight as a risk for companies that are setting out on this journey or have already adopted um, AI. Yeah, there's no question. Um, today, uh, data profiling, monitoring, observability, uh, all is feeding this area of data validation. And validation basically says, did, did the data match my expectation of what I thought it was going to be? And people are cleaning up the data, rows and rows of data to make sure that the, the names are lined up. But here's the interesting thing for AI and trusted AI. More data is coming in unstructured. More data is coming in from so many sources. So it's not really in a structured way. So how do you validate unstructured data? And that is going to be a huge challenge for the future because as that data is wrangled and brought to the models, a lot of that unstructured data could be image files, could be uh, drone logs, could be all kinds of things coming from places, has to be validated and cleaned. So when you feed the model, the model saying, okay, I'm, I'm operating uh, uh, in, a, in a great way to be able to manage it. Now, that's what a data product is going to be. Data products will be more comprehensive. You know, data products attack different domains. And so one cool thing is, is that think of a, a data domain would be human resources or finance or, mm-hmm. or uh, operations. As we manage data, we're going to be seeing the rise of the domains and data products make it easy to say, hey, send me the HR data from this state so I can do demographic analysis. And so not to get too deep in the data analysis of it, it, that has to be organized as it relates to feeding the models. Yeah, I do agree. And I'm seeing that also, Peter, um, that two things. One is, you know, as we go um, about engaging with AI systems, and adding value, that highlights the importance of that domain knowledge and that domain data to a much higher degree. Oh my gosh, right? yeah. So I agree with you there. Um, yeah. And I think that's a very important point for, uh, for anyone who is, uh, let's face it, looking at, is AI going to replace my job, for example? Well, it will, in this case, having that domain expertise and being in, uh, you know, having that right knowledge and being able to leverage that data and use it for the for a much even if you, even for areas that you may not be uh, looking at right now, getting higher value from that data will require domain expertise. So I think that is really important for businesses to kind of include into their uh, carrot and of well, how to introduce AI into the organizations. 
What do you feel about that? Yep, I guess we're just very much aligned. The, the, the thing about it is instead of thinking about data assets as a, as a uh, not dynamic asset, we're seeing the assets are fungible and they're moving. And so we need to access them in an easy type of way. That's where the data products come in, uh, where you can create a data market. Uh, there's really good companies out there that do that. Um, a company called Right Data, as an example, does that very, very well, where they've created a data market where you can just type in some of the HR data, and then that accesses it easily and brings it to you in a format that you can use it to feed the model. So I think that's a big thing. But I want to raise another point uh, of what an AI-focused generation should do from a data infrastructure point of view, and that is governance. It seems really boring. It seems historically like access control that I'm going to give you a password or track who's on the system or things like that. But governance and governors today will be super important because that's now where ethics, trust, tools, and policy all come together under one umbrella. And to have a, a governance uh, policy for trusted AI is that capstone that you need to be able to manage your data products. And it's not to be underestimated. And by the way, it's the fastest growing field of data management in the industry today. To be a data governor is, is a great thing to a responsibility because you report directly to the CEO and board to say, are we not just in compliance, but do we trust our own data that we're bringing in? So governance is huge. Right. And, and, you know, where it comes to is how do you take something such as trust, which can be a difficult to understand concept. And that is where we come in, right? We trusted AI. We have defined these eight pillars of essential pillars of trusted AI, which include at the very foundation, privacy and security, ethics and transparency, Right. These and um, these areas are something that regardless of what kind of business you're in, what kind of data you have may be very important to consider how it impacts overall what your system is that you're developing. You may need it in a certain a 10 percent degree or you may need it in. 99%, but that will vary um, by um, the business and the usage and the use cases. But very important to, and I'm glad you bring that up because not only is it important to know what are the areas that you need trust in, but to create that governance framework, you know, that is where these essential pillars are really very instrumental in defining what that approach is. I, I've seen the, the your trusted AI pillars are great because they, they have a all have a human part to it. Remember, machines are dispassionate. And so whatever you ask a machine to do, it will do. And so what you need is you, you're going to need that human element to work together with the machine and they work in partnership to different degrees. And that's where the word governance comes in. But under the trusted AI pillars, that is a combination. And so most people believe that there'll be an increase in growth and a shift to the right for AI uh, business users and AI scientists, but they're all going to now have that. Trusted AI is a competitive advantage. It's not just people right. regulating and telling you what you can't do and what you cannot do. Now privacy is a competitive advantage because people are demanding that. And trusted AI has to include all these things because it's just a demand of what AI is going to be because now we're dealing with the power of processes or machines and humans have to be involved. Right. I agree that uh, 
one a very important takeaway from that um, what you just said is the fact that it really cannot be centered the a risk strategy for a company has to go beyond regulations right it has to go beyond regulations to the degree that what is the risk from your context what are the variables that you control and not just because it is regulated because it is your business and if you have to protect it it is a very um very important and a worthwhile exercise to see where those risks are coming from when it yeah, comes to trust. Imagine, yeah, just a couple of examples of risks that I think are interesting across the board that would seem trivial and also important. Um, a big risk today, especially in media, is uh, intellectual property infringement. In the prompt, if you're if you're typing something and you don't you can't track your prompt in the prompt as it relates to what data sets that you're uh, targeting and then learning from, you're infringing. And there's lawsuits today. The Sarah Silverman comedian uh, lawsuit today is comes to mind where you're saying, "Wait, you're stealing my jokes. Is that possible? Yeah, that's possible." And so media mm-hmm. companies are very uh, conscious about infringement. So what they've done is um, uh, companies, media companies now are saying, wait, we have enough content ourselves that we're going to trust our own models and use our own data. So one of the coolest areas, Adobe Firefly, takes their own images that they control and they know they own, that they trust. They trust their own data. And now they've created over a billion images that they can resell. So this is so interesting. By embracing trust with their own data, they create an even deeper business to show that they can uh, create that instead of infringing on trust. That's an opportunity. That's the way we have to begin to think about what trust. The second example is, uh, which keeps me up at night. People said, what keeps you up at night as it relates to AI and the threat there? It's what Eric Schmidt, former Google said, and many people have said in the area of bioterrorism. Bioterrorism is so dangerous as it relates to the the generation of DNA and molecules and many other things that we can't replicate because we don't have the formula of the model. And so that has to be trusted well. So the question is, who has their eyes on the labs that are producing molecules in the world? So from a, a media point of view or infringement to a chilling point of view of bioterrorism, Trust has to be all the way through. And the final fun thing of trust is, do you trust the sound of your child's voice? If your child calls you with a problem, are you being scammed by that by that voice? Is that really your child? Can you discern over a, a, a cell phone if it's your child or not that says, daddy or mommy, help me? And the answer is no. very difficult. And so we're going to see trust all across the board, and that's why we need to embrace uh, these levels of both protection and also use. I agree. Uh, I think those are really a lot of points that you made there. One, the last one being about deep fakes, right? How do you uh, exactly. how do you protect what you're hearing? And the uh, before that about the creation of what models are producing, how do you make sure that they are aligned with what would be the culture in a company and the risk profile of a company? It has to be, for example, if you are producing uh, data that can actually be 
you set out to create a machine learning. And I wrote about this in a LinkedIn post on if you started to create a, a machine learning model for helping uh, detect viruses, but instead now your machine learning model was actually able to produce thousands of varieties of different viruses that could actually be, be used to attack or become bioterrorist um, uh, fuel, then what? where are the safeguards? Where is the alignment with what you set out to do? What is the ethics of the company? And how do you bring that into the actual personify that into how it is being implemented across the board. Yeah, they used to have the expression, or they, they still do, of uh, trust and verify. I, I see ethics uh, can only go so far in terms of how companies are going to face that. We need to have verifiable and tracking against actually which data sets are managed so we can see that lineage back. And so it has to be a combination of, again, the pillars that you mentioned there. So. Okay. Thank you. Well, this has been an exciting talk and we covered a lot of ground and also some of the challenges and how we can solution them. So appreciate it very much, Peter. Yeah. And hope to talk I to you soon. I wanted to mention, uh, I know we're finishing, but I wanted to mention sort of like a, a hot seven areas to focus on for the future, if that's okay, to finish sure, that way. Okay. Um, electrical power and GPUs are incredibly important. That will be the currency of AI in the future. So that's my number one. My number two is data quality that I mentioned, quality data to be able to verify that as we talked about. The third area is beyond catalogs. Catalogs are basically just lists of, uh, of data sets with names against them, but now we need to move to data markets where we can access and find the data. Another area that I think is a really hot area that's growing very quickly are local LLMs. We're gonna be controlling our own LLMs and those own systems today. And I think uh, there's gonna be big, uh, you know, chat GPT models out there, but we're gonna see companies uh, using their own data for the future. And finally, the last two, three prompts. I said the fastest growing area is our governance, but on the data scientists, it's to become a prompt engineer. It's someone who can actually move beyond Google search and do really, really targeted prompts based upon collected and trusted data sets. And the final two that are really exciting that are disrupting the industry is generative AI to write Python code. Code now can be written by generative AI and a lot of the code is gonna replace people that do that. So those jobs and that work will be under threat for basic code because that can be generated. And the reason why that's so important is not just the cost savings because you can generate code on the fly for applications for speed and it provides you a competitive edge. And hopefully for another podcast, when we get to it, I know that uh, this is dear to your heart is security, not trust, but security in AI world. We tended to historically think of security as protecting the core, protecting the OS of the system. But the question is for AI, how will that change when we now can basically have hackers use AI to attack uh, well-meaning people or businesses that uh, are protecting their data, but are they protecting the, the AI? Over to you, Pam. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, yes, you're right. Security of AI in terms of what does it include? 
it includes data as well as the algorithms, as well as the models that are being created. That is intellectual property of companies. And how do you protect that? Yes, definitely that's um, a lot of uh, good um, points to conclude on and definitely opening up a lot more conversations. So I appreciate it. Okay, great to join you today.